three, two, one. Best advice I can give you, start drinking heavily. You're listening to the Four Takes and Fuel podcast with Alex, Ethan, Chance, and Colton. Welcome back to another episode of Four Takes and Fuel, guys. My name's Alex. I'm Colton. I'm Austin. And uh, we're kind of two wheels and fuel. We're kind of like a motorcycle today. Uh, Chance and Ethan couldn't make it, but we do have a great guest coming talk on the podcast tonight, Mr. Tucker Polacek, and we are excited to have our first junior. So that is exciting. But before we get into the whole episode, here's a word from our sponsors. This podcast was created by four guys that met at a local dirt track and created a lifelong friendship between the four of them. Located in Sterlington, Louisiana, Mojave is a dirt oval that offers kart racing for all ages. Age groups start at five and go up from there. If you're looking to get into dirt oval kart racing, you can find them on Facebook and Mojave Karting Complex. Definitely a family environment that will build memories for a lifetime, and you never know who you can meet and the friendships you can build. And We're proof of it. Yeah, we're proof. And uh, just go check them out on Facebook, and we hope you guys enjoy. Are you looking for a high-quality, more affordable clothing brand for you and your race team? Look no further than Sublimited. That's S-U-B-L-M-T-D. As they offer crew shirts, hoodies, racing jackets, leather and fabric, full-body racing suits, and much more. Fully customizable kart suits start at $4.99, as well as fully customizable SFI 5 racing suits start at only $9.99. For more information, contact Laura Pender at 601-934-4073, where you can find them online at sublimatedapparel.com or on Facebook. When you reach out, be sure to let them know that we at Four Takes and Fuel sent you. So I went down to Mojave this past weekend for the uh, LEK qualifier for the qualifying classes on Friday that you need to qualify for. The other half, you don't have to on Friday. Was it to qualify? It was to qualify. It was a qualifier for the qualifier, you know what I'm saying? But, well, uh, so, like, how many, times, how many times did you have to qualify for the qualifier of the qualifying races on Friday? Don't make this harder than it has to be. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, so we went down to Mojave. It was our first weekend out on uh, Extreme Speed Tire Solutions, and, boy, it was uh, it was a good weekend. Um we didn't have to kill a tire like we normally do. It was, we kind of took a different approach with some things that, uh, you know, we had learned, talked to Curtis a little bit, uh, and, and really kind of refine some things, trying, just trying not to kill a tire like we usually have to. And, uh, we didn't, and we, we showed a lot of speed. We, we unfortunately had just about everything go wrong in the heat races though. Um, the first heat, I, yeah, I pulled, I pulled like horrible numbers for the heat races and I started like dead last in every single heat. So the first one we started like ninth and in like three laps, we were up to second, but, uh, I realized shortly after I drove through the field, I got through the field that, uh, my brakes went out. And so no brakes uh, left. Yeah. Well, we went into turn three and four and, uh, I was wondering, I was like, man, I'm, I don't know if Cade's back in the corner up or what. And then I go to like hit the brake. We had, I had kind of gave myself some room and, uh, we went into turn three and, uh, I was trying to drag the brake like I normally do. And there was no brake. So we ended up, uh, spinning her out and, uh, I just eventually got off the racetrack, fixed it. It was an O-ring that got met. I, I apparently cross-threaded the, uh, the cap on the reservoir at one point, but it's plastic. So you would like never know uh, unless you really looked at it. And so it leaked some brake fluid out, but we, we fixed it, got that done. Then we went into heat, the, the, the LEK heat. And uh, we came from the back again and we're, we were trying to work on the leader and I, 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 I could have pushed it, but I didn't really need to, I could have just set it up a little differently and I was going to back out uh, from, you know, because I was only at like like his left rear. like at, He wouldn't able to see me. And so I was going to back out and just reset up. Uh, but third place thought, I guess, thought I committed. And uh, we kind of, uh, we all got tangled up and I got put to the back for it. Uh, so we, we just had some really bad starting positions in the feature. And so in the, the regular super heavy class, we drove it all the way up to second. Just didn't have. Needed a little bit more speed. It it was a little free on entry, but it settled down on center. But it was just the free on entry that was really messing us up. And then we swapped t- we we swapped to a different tire and uh, got a little bit more aggressive. And and eventually in the LAK race came from like 
second to last or something like that and ended up getting a really big win. So um, it was, uh, it was nice nice to do that. And uh, we picked up like four tenths too. It was weird. It was really weird. So uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. What did you guys do? Austin, Absolutely nothing. Uh, let's see. Oh, welcome home. back, Austin. Our fuel is back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, guys. I feel bad. Um, there's been no flame. I mean, there's been enough flame in the state, but there's been no flame on the heat of the mic. Here I am, back again <laughs> in the flesh, the legend. I wouldn't say the legend, maybe like the teddy bear or something. The I don't myth. know. You know everybody <laughs> hears myth. about it, but yeah. season. Yeah, that that's the one we're gonna go with is the myth. The myth is true. I am real. <laughs> However, um, yeah, man. Friday came home from work, and I had to get some school done. Saturday didn't really do much. Had some uh, birthday parties. Watched the LSU game. You know, we uh, finally got that win that we needed. And uh, Sunday was just a big relaxed day. Uh, kind of regretted not being able to go racing in Mojave. Haven't been in the seat since March. Looking forward to get back into the seat. So if y'all know of any races going on uh, in Louisiana that we just you know may not know about or heard of, I know, no, no, I know about all of them, Austin. It's just about you come and get ready and come and do them. I know about all of them. Oh, you see, I haven't been on social media as much, so I don't know about any of the races. Yeah, you don't have to ask anybody. You just have to ask me. Like I know oh. when all the races are. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I just need to finish mounting my side panels then. Okay, yeah, just cool. Keep the body on. What about you, Colton, man? What what happened this weekend? Uh, kind of just hung out. It was kind of an uneventful weekend for us. Um, yeah, housework and the gym. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then go start getting the uh, hunting bow ready. I have a last minute hunting bow I switched over to. I'm switching companies uh, for next year, so kind of adjusting to that. But other than that, just uh, yeah, just hanging around. Okay. Can Keep. can we talk about that monsoon that came through Friday? Dude, it oh, was that it was, was my pool. Flooded. So we drained the pool because it it got behind on us. You know, we were dealing, we were just doing a ton of stuff and super busy, and it got behind and it turned into uh, it looked worse than like you know <laughs> the, the basin, and so we drained it and it was empty. And I thought like it would be fine because it had so much weight it might have got the feet in the ground. Well, apparently not. That thing went flipping, hit the house. We had to like. Yeah, it was bad. We anchored it down on the ground because um, there's no anchor points. It's just the water holds it down when the, when the water's in it. But when it's empty, it's light. And the we thought it was thunder. And we I go outside and the pool's all tangled up on the side of the house. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. This is what I want to do in the pouring rain. I'm pretty yeah. sure whenever I was walking out of school, the wind kicked up so hard that it made the building um, creak. And I'm pretty sure I saw the neighbor's cat flying through the air <laughs> over 90. <laughs> oh, man, I saw some little kid with a kite get thrown, you know, toward the open field right there. But, man, we need it, but I did not want it like that. Yeah, it was, Dude, uh, it was a pretty good downpour. Aside from any damage done, I was definitely celebrating. Yeah. Oh, so Absolutely. So we have uh, we have a fun little topic we were talking about. It's un- it's unfortunate Ethan Chance couldn't be here, but um, it's something that I kind of wanted to talk about. It's uh, been a hot topic, um, just track wise. You know, we've talked about it a few times, just surfaces and all that. But you know, if you had unlimited funds, uh, and I'm and and I'm sure everybody has an opinion on it. If you had unlimited funds to build your own go kart track, how would you do it? You know, so we'll start with you, Austin. Man, it's really hard to pick because I feel like Collins is a really fun track, but it's kind of small. So people would get tired of the small. I feel like if we had like a Causeyville size track, like I would do something like Causeyville or like GMP, mm-hmm. and then but make it like eighty twenty clay sand mix. I feel like I feel like we could just do that, but then throw in like. The Batesville chicken tenders. Wait, what? That's such a <laughs> so, weird thing to throw in there, man. Because like you got to throw, man. Look, you could build the facility, you could build the track. It could be the best track ever. If you don't have good concession food, what do you have? <laughs> I'm here true. for the race day. I'm here for the race day nachos and cheese sticks and chicken tenders. Chicken tender basket, six dollars straight up. 
chicken tenders and fries. Yeah. So, like, you do a facility like that, and you have the Batesville chicken tenders. You're not wrong. I'm just saying. Like, hear me out. I don't don't know what I would call it. I I feel like I'd have to get the creative juices flowing to come up with a name, but, you know, it'd probably be something to do with fuel or being the myth. The mythical, (laughs) I don't know. That sounds dumb. Never mind. Next. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like your idea, Austin. I like the golf port shape and and size. I like that a lot. Um, I even like the dirt. I would, I would just take the take the track, the the track and the surface. Just take that, put it on a piece of property. I'd like to do like some paradise parking where it's covered and all that good stuff. Um, definitely would like everything paved, uh, nice groomed, everything. Uh, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I I definitely take like Gulfport track, kind of like Paradise facilities, and, and put that together. Uh, you know, nothing against Paradise racetrack. I just i i like a i like a sweeping track, and uh, I liked how Gulfport was kind of like a D shape. It was yeah, it was really racy and really dry, uh, really racy. So I really liked it. But yeah, that was that that'd probably be my idea. But yeah, you gotta have some good concession food, but like cheap. You gotta make it. You gotta keep it cheap. You gotta give it to you. Gotta yeah. do like you gotta do like Eldora's concessions, you know. Martinsville, NASCAR Martinsville Speedway. Yeah, concession. yeah, yeah. You gotta have Hot something. You gotta, you gotta have something famous, you know. Either like some famous nachos or something, or like a family. Yeah, I can't kind of do like a famous hot dog or something like that. Hamburger, maybe a barbecue sandwich. You gotta you gotta bring them in. Fried that. Yeah, fried. Yeah, something. Nah, dude. Nah, dude. Y'all are getting it twisted and wrong. I say you race it in the in the winter months and. You're famous for your Oreo balls. But what okay, so what if you did like what if you had like a Dallas Cowboys retractable roof and stuff like that? Like what if you what if you had oh, that oh, kind of money? Or like brother. the new rain was coming, you just put the roof yes. over it and then you took the roof all like you retracted the roof when you uh no I mean, rain. That would be a huge roof. Golly, that would be such a big roof. <laughs> brother but brother, hey we said had that kind of funds unlimited yeah unlimited funds yeah so like a, a retractable roof would definitely be an, an investment atlanta falcon stadium how it twists yeah it no opens. no no because that still doesn't let enough sun in you got to be able to like retract this thing all the what way. do you mean it does sun what do you mean it don't the whole thing opens i know it but it's still it still don't it's it's still got some darkness in there they still need lights on so you gotta you gotta brother, it's, brother you know, they make lights I understand they make lights, but you're not saying, you know, you're not, I want, you know, when it's a good day, I want, I want you nature want, you want on the, the racetrack. Sunshine. You I want, want the, the sunshine, sunshine on the racetrack. And when it's raining, I want my lights, you know, you put your lights on. You okay. Know? But I, hear me out though. Hear me out though. Say you have one of those races where you're taking the, the, the winning, you know, with the big check, the big trophy and the sun's coming up in the background and your enclosed stadium that you can only open the top. How you get in that picture? That's iconic. I mean, it's, it's a 24 hour race. You know, uh, race day, but how are you getting that picture? I, I don't know. More about a good race. You got to think about these things. I mean, you have to throw in the aspects of the the experience. I hear. You. I mean, are you charging? Are you charging twenty dollars for pit pass? Are you you letting kids in free? Are you giving senior citizen discounts? I mean, I mean, I don't know. That's all logistics. We weren't talking about all that. We were just talking about what the facility would want. You get, you like, get a, a little, little too logistical for me. I'm thinking about the perfect facility, man. That's, yeah, that's you, all I'm thinking you, about. You think about, yeah, you think about all and everything together. I'm a businessman. That's what I do. Colton, you want a <laughs> shot at it? Yeah, I mean, I think you need a. Uh, you put a super speedway style track on the outside, all right, with the banks elevated. Okay, so you create that high bank, long straightaway track, but you have a separate grid area that goes through a tunnel under the track into a bull ring in the center. Ah, so you can pick what you want to race. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you could have a bull ring. But like, we're talking about like, talking about like a a very well prepped bull ring, you know, like it's, it's, it's its own like facility inside of a track. Yeah. Heck, I mean, I'd say if you even wanted to make it a kind of a tri-oval, like we're talking about, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. But I mean, I think yeah, because then you could you could I mean you could really play with points. You could play with you know really throw in the different uh, the different styles of racing. 
like we get into with the uh, with the interview, you know, Tucker talking about what kind of tracks he likes and whatnot. You could have some guys that excel at bull rings, so they got their advantage, and some guys that excel at your high bank, more strategy track. You know, you got that as well. So, well, so Colton, I think that'd be with awesome. Your Id- with, with your idea, Colton, you could actually do a winter and a summer series at the same facility. People are getting the same parking. Yep. I feel like that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, by the to... same people every time. Yeah. Yep. Man, I think you could some. you could run uh <clears throat> I think if you wanted to host any big races that way too, you know, you're extremely versatile when it comes to drawing different different organizers or different series to your track. So definitely. But yeah. Definitely. But uh some races coming up uh this this uh here soon is you know we, we talked about it uh last episode uh the summer done 10,000 purse race uh it's like th- let me let me get it up i want to i want to make sure that i get all the purses right um it has oh wait a, i need i need to uh listen to this part yeah adult clone is 3000 to win 75 dollar entry fee uh then adult predator is 750 to win with uh with 50 dollar entry fee obviously these have paybacks all the way to third which is uh, some good paybacks um, then you have your juniors. Your juniors are all all good money. Junior one's two fifty to win. Uh, junior two, uh, I guess you'd call it junior two slash junior three is uh, five hundred to win. Uh, beginners two hundred to win. Junior clone, uh, which will be purple plate, uh, is seven fifty to win. Uh, and then there's a junior purple clone, which is the purse starts at 500 plus entry fees will add to it. And then the adult reaper, the purse starts at a thousand and entries go towards the purse as well. So, uh, and then there's an open race, open class with, uh, the purse starting at 500 and your entry fees goes towards the purse as well. And then it gets split 50, 50, 30, 20. So, uh, that is, uh, September 30th at TC speedway. So go ahead and check that out. Um, should hopefully it's a good race uh it's it's a big race for down here in louisiana but as well um we have our uh <clears throat> an indoor race coming up october 27th and 28th uh it is the uh, ike lek uh race that is being put on uh friday saturday show payments uh payouts are coming out pretty soon i think they're coming out this week uh, so be on the lookout for all these races coming up, uh, some pretty good shows coming up in Louisiana. So, uh, be on the lookout, but we, uh, we're excited to have some big races going on here in Louisiana, aren't we? I am. I'm excited to get back in the seat. I've been yeah. away for way too long. Need yeah, to get back in the good. seat before Batesville for sure. Absolutely. But it's definitely refreshing to see that here, you know, down here or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, so. We will we will get into the interview, guys. Um, like we said earlier, our first junior come and sit down with us, and we're we're really proud to have him on. Um, and we're excited to hear, uh, we're excited for you to hear his story and, and and the the things that go on with a junior driver in today's world. So, guys, here it is, uh, Mr. Tucker Polachek. So, Tuck, what's going on, buddy? Just uh, just had a race in Mojave this past weekend. So, uh, how'd that go? Uh, yeah, we had a little tough luck. Uh, in Predator, we did pretty good. Uh, pulled off the win in that one. And uh, Junior Clone just had a little tough luck and uh, fin- didn't uh, didn't end up finishing it. Yeah, man, that's uh, it's always it's always tough when you got a fast piece. You know, we kind of talked about when your dad came on. Uh, it's it's the worst ones when you know you're gonna win it, but. It just uh, doesn't fall out like that, so that's always the toughest ones to take. Yeah. So well, it's like it's like we said, it's the the small wins lead to the big ones. Just stay consistent. Yeah. So Tuck, you know, your your dad talked a little bit about it, um, about your start, but let, let's get your eyes on it. You you kind of grew up around it a lot, and uh, you know, when did it kind of click for you that you might want to do karting? Well, I've been going to the track since I was about two with my dad, and we used to go to all the Cajun indoors and stuff like that. And uh, 
I used to race. We used to all race together with Bryce Fauntleroy and Little Roy Samaka, and uh, I used to always take get their trophies, and they would keep the winnings. And when we hooked up with Extreme Speed, I used to always sit in the seat of Tyler Blazak's go kart, and I would pretend like I was driving to the grid when they would pull him up there, mm-hmm. and then I'd get out, and then set him down, and he'd go off, and. I and my dad just knew at that moment I'd be a racer and he bought me a champ cart and we started racing in the backyard of uh, my grandparents house because my grandpa built me a little backyard track and I raced my champ cart there just to get a few laps under me. Then we ended up starting to go to Gulfport Motorsports Park and made some laps and that's basically where it began. Yeah. So it's so, so kind of, kind of take me back. If you remember it like the first time, cause it wasn't that long ago, you're getting, you're getting behind the wheel, you know, like, were you nervous? Like, how was that? Uh, oh, I was kind of nervous because like the first time getting behind the wheel, you just got to think of what could possibly go wrong and what could happen. But once you get out, out there on the track, it all just kinds of kind of fades away and you just kind of go with the flow. And if you got a fast piece, you got a fast piece and you just got to drive smart. I heard that, man. I know when I'm always sitting on the grid, I'm kind of thinking, you know, like I know, like we're 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 probably going to do pretty good if if we depending on how the day went and, and then what we got going on. But it's uh, nerves are like super running high. You're you're nervous thinking about everything, and even to today. You know, we, you know, we've been doing this 20 years, and I know that uh, once you get on the racetrack, once you get to going, it's like you never skip the beat. So I definitely understand that. Yeah. So, Tucker, uh, who were some of your early influences? I mean, I know you, you haven't been doing it relatively too long, but who are your early influences in your karting career? Well, uh, when I when I used to get into it with my dad, uh, he used to race with Bryce Fauntleroy and Little Roy Samaka. Mm-hmm. And when I was coming up, they were like fire. They were winning. They were at the Cajun Indoor showing off. It was just like they were a ball of fire. And like I said before, I would – get the trophies and they'd keep the winnings and they were really the star in my first racing start of career of my career. So it's kind of like some guys you looked up to right there. Yep. That's really cool. That, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. man. So I think one of the many questions, you know, most people want to know about you, man, is out of, out of the, the racing career you've had so far, what, what has been your biggest and most memorable win to this day right now? Well, I would have to say Batesfield Indoor Nationals 2018-2019. We won that two years in a row, and we got both of the slot machines and Rookie Red. And then that following year in 2020, we went to King Kings and showed out there Friday night and won that and Rookie Red too. So I'd have to say that would probably be my most memorable win. Yeah, and – well, if I remember correctly, one of those slot machines didn't come easy. You had to get up on the wheel and make it happen. Even, you know, yeah. people think Rookie Red, y'all are just going around the track and stuff, but you had to get up on the wheel and get, get that slot machine. Yeah, we uh, going into the final corner on the last lap, I stuck it and didn't lift and we moved him and we just pulled off. Hey man, sometimes you just gotta you gotta you gotta go and trust it. Mm-hmm. White flag, white flag, anything goes, my man. I, I see that as just a typical indoor move. Can't be mad at it at all. Nope. So, um, where, where did the number 15 come? Cause that's, that's really been your number since you started. Well, if you'll ever race with my dad, when he was starting, he used to run number 15 and mm-hmm. he used to, he used to be the guy back then. Yeah. And I, I've always wanted to follow in his steps. And I was like, dad, I want to be number 15. So he stuck it on there and we ain't never changed. Well, well, there was a, there was a little time period to change, and that's what I kind of wanted. In case anybody didn't know, I wanted to kind of go and you know that that was your picture we posted today. But what, where did the nine thirty six come from? Well, so that I knew this question was going to come up. So in like February, I think uh, we was going to Dogwoods so we could like try to get some information for the Maximilian and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler had a white body at the shop, and we didn't want to order a wrap or anything because it really wasn't too big of a race. And he had some mailbox numbers left over. So he said, all right, let's just try to stick some nail, mailbox numbers on there. I said, all right. So I found some – well, he had to make my numbers because I never found numbers to match. And mm-hmm. he found 936. And 
he put that on there and he didn't tear it up. So we just kind of stuck it in the shop and a kid rented the go-kart out to run at uh, Beaver Creek and down south. So we just threw that body on there because we didn't want to like buy a new one or anything. Mm -hmm. And he didn't tear it up there. So when we started running and I tore a body up, dad really didn't want to get a new body. So that one was in the shop. So we bolted it on until we tore it up. Yeah, and, and I remember it was at Mojave and made some jokes. You kind of cleaned the night up, and it was the 936, and we we're like, ooh, maybe the number, maybe it's the number. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> that's that's awesome, man. All right, I got to know. Everybody's got to know. I for sure, you know, I'm, other people might know this, but I don't. Where did the nickname Big Sexy come from? Funny story, uh, when I was young, uh, Tommy Price T-Hammer used to call me T-Murder, and it just stuck with me. Everybody would call me T-Murder. And I'll say about towards the end of 2022, I was like, you know what? I'm going to change it up. So, you know, you see all these people like Austin Yarbrough with Youngblood, Jerry Mollis with Iron Man, mm-hmm. uh, Charging Charlie with Charging Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, man. I want to make me a nickname that'll stick with me and it's cool. And I looked at Shay Shavis and he had dirty money. I was like, yep, big sexy it is. <laughs> Dude, that is like. I love that. I love that. That's that's perfect. It's that's iconic. Perfect. It's, it's even going different. on the bottom of the body now. I've seen a couple wraps ago and it's, it's uh man. <laughs> yeah, it, that is hilarious. Tucker's known as Big Sexy, man. I never knew that little story. That's funny. I mean, you got you to gotta own it. That's 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 part of the name. You got to own it, and you definitely own it. And uh, when I get me, when I get a new leather, the back of it's going to say Big Sexy on it. Big Sexy. That's what that's I, that's what I'm I love about, that. Sign, seal, delivered. He's already got that planned. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a running joke sometimes, but you know, as uh, that you'll use is uh, you know, hide your mamas. Where where did that come from? Hide your mamas. Uh, so when you look on Facebook pages, you would see people going to a race, and like Dale Ward, uh, he's got that dog in him. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to make my own hashtag and be unique, so. I was trying to think. I was thinking. I was thinking. And one day we was going up to Beaver Creek. I was like, all right, this is the day we're going to make a new hashtag. Uh, put on the Facebook page. I think it was uh, Chasing That Gold Today, hashtag Hide Your Mamas. And everybody loved it, and it stuck with me. <laughs> Just another one. I like, like the ingenuity, man. Tucker, Tucker says, I ain't a follower. I'm I'm a trendsetter. That's what that's what we're doing. Hey, man. We're setting trends, trends around this joint. That's all you can be. <laughs> that's awesome. God, I, oh, I, I love, love that, man. And to have so much confidence <laughs> like that, that's so awesome. Yeah, that's, that's going to put you ahead of a lot of other people, too. So, Oh, and, you know, before we get any further... You just had a birthday this past Friday, so happy uh, happy, happy birthday. late birthday, man! Just a little shout out on the podcast. Wanted to say happy late birthday. Thank you. So, yeah, hide your mamas. Yeah, hide your, <laughs> hide your mama. We're getting older by the year, baby. We're getting older yep. by the year. Twenty one. I'm coming out. <laughs> oh my! Well, since we're uh, not twenty one yet, and you're still in school, uh, I remember back in the days whenever I was r- running junior two, junior three. I know we all do like. It was hard to relate to kids in school who didn't race um, and because, you know, it's not as popular as like football, baseball, whatnot. But what's your take? Is it tough trying to talk about racing with friends at school that don't understand racing or are they pretty receptive when you talk well, about it? Well, we don't I don't really get into the specific on what it is, because a lot of them don't know what like a Maxxis tire is and stuff. I just kind of stay on the basics of kind of like a NASCAR, like we go in a circle, we turn left, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of think think of me as Dale Earnhardt. And uh, which is (laughs) pretty better think of you a big sexy. That's what they better think of you. Yeah, some of the teachers know some of the teachers know me by that because they follow my mom on Facebook. But some kids in the school, they'll be like, man, I want to race go-karts like you. I was like, yep. You know, a guy, you know, a guy that can get him started, huh? Yeah. Yep. That's awesome, man. We need more of that. We need, you know, you're essentially an ambassador 
you know, for your sport to those other kids. Cause the more that they come into it, the longer the sport lives on. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Definitely with, without the juniors and, and all that coming through, you know, the sport can only live so long because, you know, us senior drivers will we'll, we'll age out and, and we got to have junior drivers coming in. And I think that's really cool that you go to school and talk about it. Cause I know like it was, it was always tough for me to go to school and, 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 uh, and try and talk about racing because everybody was always into like baseball or soccer or something like that. And then I'm, I'm over here like, Oh yeah, man, we, we, we ran like four classes this weekend and oh, it was okay. But the go-kart was a little tight and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's okay. I'm just, I'm just talking to you. I just need you to hear me. And, out. Then, and then like the, the worst part would be like the, the teachers would ask where you were on Fridays and you know, you try and explain to them. They don't believe you. So then you got to bring the trophy to school on Monday. Oh yeah, you, yeah. you like baseball? You got to do the show and tell us. Prove it. <laughs> yep. show and tell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know if you ran into this yet, Tucker, but all, every time I was in English class, I'd always try and write my papers on something about racing. I'd always try and do racing, and I, they'd always tell me that I'm tired of reading about racing. You got to do it on something else. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep turning in racing papers. It's yeah, my well, paper. It's yeah. my yeah. paper. Yeah, well, I used, I, I used to do that a lot because I used to go off in NASCAR and. Uh, we're, we're kind of starting in science. We're kind of starting to get into aerodynamics. I'm like, yep, it's going to be my subject. <laughs> yeah, bread and butter, son. Bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, hey, it helps too. I remember in fifth grade, sixth grade, uh, we talked about uh, internal combustion engines. And the, my teacher literally had me explain how that worked. And I was like, yep, this will work. I'll do that. That dude's from the weekends. You can flex that when you're in class now. <laughs> I've kind of had to stop writing papers like that because the teachers are starting to get confused on what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we took we took uh, we took a couple percent of left side out. We put a couple more washers on the on the right front. Yep. We were pretty yep. good. <laughs> kind of hooked and just ran off the corner. Yeah, yeah. She was ripping. She was getting deep. Yeah, yeah we're getting deep. <laughs> Elbow deep. Elbow deep. Elbow deep, baby. Give them the P. <laughs> so on the opposite side of that, uh. You know, with Snapchat and, and Instagram, Facebook and all this good stuff um, and, and all the races you've been across the country and all that, you're able to make friends at the racetrack. And, and you know, I, I haven't been to one racetrack where somebody when I've said your name and somebody hasn't known it. Um, so I just wanted to kind of touch on, like, you know, how it is, you know, you're having friends across the country like that. Yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, coming in, like kind of like Colin Stewart. He's running around with all Logan Walston and stuff, and I'm close to Colin. So when we hang, he's hanging with, like, Logan and stuff. And, well, me and Logan will, like, meet up, and, like, just all his friends will I'll get connected to, and uh, we'll be on the East Coast. And kind of like Landon Sartine, he's on Snapchat and like when I'll add him and I'll make posts on my story, he'll just sing good luck. And, you know, we've just became kind of close just from that. And just all the people that are connected kind of runs like a bloodline. It's kind of all connected in social media and society. Yeah. And and don't you think it's kind of cool uh, that, you know, you might not see these people, you know, only, but, three or four times a year and when you go to the racetrack it's like you never you never stopped talking or you, y'all been y'all, you know been best friends for you know the, the whole time yeah um well it's kind of like pnp uh when bryce hoyt went up there for daytona i went up there with him because like everybody had there was another dude there that had a run ride and uh we were, they had his pet help and I was Bryce's pet help to get him to the grid and start him and all that good stuff. And you just kind of, after three days, you kind of start getting comfortable with uh, the people that you're around. And uh, I think actually on the third day, Chase Williamson's girlfriend was was asking everybody if they wanted something from Chick-fil-A. And I said, yeah, I take an Oreo shake. I was, I, I was literally under the motor, loosening the motor mount. And I told her I'd take an Oreo shake. Big safe, you want that Oreo shake, bro? <laughs> Give me that Oreo shake. If you ain't got one, you ain't got one in the bag when you come back. Just don't come back. Don't come back. <laughs> man. Oh, man. This is this is great. This is great, man. Awesome. Um, so I guess this question kind of narrows down to uh as you're a junior, you're going through it. Like you said, you went rookie red back to back winning at you know Batesville and everything. 
But as you're going through these classes and jumping through the age groups and racing with different people across the country, what has been the biggest learning curve for you? Probably going to the East Coast and learning the aggressiveness on how you need to be. Like, kind of like Iron City, when you go up there, you're all hundreds and seconds away from each other. And if you see a hole, you have to take it or you will miss it and probably won't be able to get it again. So you got to stay in the draft and just be smart and don't, and like, got to be aggressive. And if you're not aggressive, then you won't, you won't make it anywhere. Definitely. I feel like, I feel like as a junior driver, I kind of struggle with that too, you know, going to the bigger races and stuff like that. I always tried to, cause you know, you know, at a local race, you know, you're not going to try and, you know, you're not going to take the shots you're going to take when you're at a bigger race. Cause there's not as much on the line, but um, it's just adjusting to realizing that, you know, if you don't take that gap, somebody else will, and your race is done. So you kind of got to take every shot you got and, you know, it kind of, and, and you're not trying to be, you know, like super aggressive about it, but it's kind of like, I, I got to do this to, to get to the win, you know? Like if if I want to accomplish something here, I need to do this. And if somebody's mad, let dad handle that. <laughs> <laughs> Big CeeLo got that. Yeah, we'll just get out the go-kart, keep our helmets on, and go to the trailer. <laughs> it's, it's not my problem anymore. I did. I won the race. You told me to do it, so, I mean – I, I, you told know, me, I you what told I me told. be aggressive and get in there and I'll handle anything else. So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it's done. <laughs> so but, how does comp wait, go ahead, Alex. But yeah, as uh I was gonna say though, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's kind of a it's a it's a big change to to those big races from from coming over here. Yeah. Yeah, well that's what the next, I was gonna ask you was uh how does competition in the south uh, does it benefit you? Um, does it not really help at all? How does it compare to bigger, you know, the races on the national events in the East Coast? Two words, seat time. Seat time. When, when you see yeah. me down here and, like, I'm running and we're not trying to turn nothing up, dad's got me in the seat. Usually if we're going to a big race, dad starts to get me in the seat about two or well a month or two ahead just so i can stay consistent stay steady and ready to race when it comes time yeah there you go you think it's and and i wouldn't and nothing to say about you know our competition or anything but you think it's more of just you know getting the workout of of riding you know getting the mechanics back rolling and stuff like that being smooth and 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 you can roll that over to the bigger races right well you would want to be consistent with lap times, like where the 12 12-6-2, 12-6-5, 12-6-7. Like you just want to work on being consistent. And like if dad's trying something new for a big race, we'll go somewhere and see how that is. Like, And to scuff tires sometimes, like Lucidale before it shut down, we'd always go over there on Sunday and we'd scuff some tires for Batesfield or somewhere like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. I think, I think seat time's huge because I mean, shoot, I was out of the seat for two months and we were racing this past weekend and yeah, I, I was a little sore on the, the next day, but definitely the more seat time you get, the more your body is already ready and conditioned and good to go. You don't have to worry about any of that. Hey, when you got that dog and you ain't got that problem sometimes. Oh, so I, oh, I could have sworn you, you commented the dog in me post on mine. Sure do. <laughs> I guess I I guess I got a Chihuahua in me right now. I need to get that pit bull. I need to upgrade. You need that pit bull. I'm a puppy. Okay. <laughs> so on the other hand, though, going to the East Coast and racing with the best in the country, um, when you come back home, uh, <laughs> when you come back home, uh, how does that how does that benefit you? Well, it just kind of like it teaches me to like not go out there and wreck somebody intentionally, but like I need to be aggressive. And if there's something that I'm chasing and I need to get up on the wheel and I need to go for it. So you think just taking those shots on the East Coast, it, it helps you bring it back home? Yeah, it's, it's, be, it's like staying consistent. On the East Coast, when you run one, two months ahead, you'll get consistent. And on the East Coast, you're consistent. Coming down here, 
he'll try to stay at that same consistency and try to keep up with the lap times and start comparing. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to talk about though is <clears throat> so, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll have a slicker racetrack and yeah. D- does that ever help you with your control? You know, just keeping the go-kart underneath you um, and things of that nature going to, you know, these other racetracks. It's kind of like a, um, kind of like Jackson. When we ran that Reaper race there, when I ran a Maxis, I had to like it was mostly throttle and near not near enough brake. It was more like burping the throttle through the corner and like kind of like snapping the wheel a little bit. And and uh and when we ran the Reapers, you had it's like a completely different tire, so you have to drive the go kart differently. You have to you drag the brake, get on the gas, and like just kind of help the go kart turn and just like get up on the wheel when it's needed. Yeah, definitely. I think having all those experience help help a bunch and, and just help you perfect your racecraft, you know, getting all that exposure to, to all these different kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of those things, you know, you, you go on the East Coast, you do those big races and when you come back home, it's not just a kind of chill back, relax. It's, you know, we still got a job to do. We still got, you know, things to learn, things to handle, things to correct. You know, I think I think bringing it back and forth like that, it, it lets you adapt to all the different environments and, you know, racing services. Cause it's, you know, two completely different services um, from the East coast to here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like coming home from an East Coast race when you're you wreck or finish in the back. Usually Sunday on our way home, we'll talk stuff over. We'll see what was wrong, like too much tire motor or something like that, and we'll try to get it fixed and go to one of these local shows and kind of like sort things out and just get ready for the next one. Yeah, and, and you know how how is it? for you because I, I i've 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 been in the shoes of of you know <clears throat> you know learning those bigger races and stuff like that and and we kind of talked with your dad about it uh with you know still trying to to get something to work with how where we are to to work over there you know in the conditions we have to deal with with not being able to scuff tires um you know how do you keep your confidence up to know that you know you're still like to understand that every time you go over there you're getting better you're getting better and it's gonna pay off well like like i would say when i was in rookie red we would go and we would kind of like finish top 10 and then when i started moving up to the regular junior classes it kind of started to get a little hard and one time i was like it, I thought it wasn't working for me. And then the next time I kept getting better. Like one time we didn't make the race and then we went back, we made all the races and then we went back, finished top 10. And then at Maximilian, we finished top five. And one day we're going to get top one. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's good that you have that head on your shoulders that you know that it, it you just got to embrace the process. And, and I, I know I, I, I just I really respect that about you because there's some kids who will get really discouraged and and not understand that there is a process to this that uh you know it's eventually going to pay off. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like what I did. I uh if I was them I would just kind of like stay in the same age group and try to stay in there as long as you can just so like at the towards the end and you start kind of starting to get wins on your head, you'll kind of be you'd have your confidence built for the next age group and you would have like a little confidence on your shoulders to help you Definitely. move on to junior two or junior one or something like that. And that, that kind of rolls man. into our next question. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, banking off of, you know, basically what you just ended with right there, if you had a piece of advice for a new junior, I mean, you know, what would you, what would you give them? What kind of advice, you know, um, it, it could be anything. Yeah. Uh, well, like around here, never give up. Don't stop chasing your dreams. And like all these people, like kind of like a Bradley Carter or Austin Yarbrough, to me, they're all just a name. And I can beat them. Anybody can beat them if they, they just believe in themselves. Definitely, I like that attitude. That's that's uh, that's that's very rare for your age, Tucker. That is awesome. <clears throat> that's something to be yeah. very proud about because there's you know, <clears throat> you know, when we started traveling and stuff like that, I. You know, I'll be honest, I've, you know, sometimes when I did see some of those names, I kind of I kind of put them on a pedestal like they didn't put their pants on just like I did that morning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
growing as I as I grew older, I got I obviously got out of that because if you want to be you want to be great, you got to race against the great ones. And uh, I, I really respect that about you that you uh, you're able to you know distinct that they're racers just like you and they're trying to win just like you. How I think of it, if I start behind them, like in practice, I'll kind of go and I'll see how quick I am compared to them. And like come feature time and I'll start behind them. If I see an orange jacket or a big name, I'll say, that's the man I want to be. There you go. That's awesome. That's, that's a good goal to have, man. So speaking of goals, uh, what are some of your goals that you would like to achieve over the course of your racing career? I would one day want to come home with uh, a Max's Nationals orange jacket and an eagle and a ring on there you myself and be able to show my grandparents that I've done what I wanted to do forever. Yeah, Heck yeah, Max's National man, that's uh, that's that's huge. that's a, that's definitely a special one that you know I think everybody wants to get. But yeah, good. I've always wanted to have a orange jacket and always wanted to go to banquet and have that my own table with my picture going across the line and have that one that eagle with the ring on its wing and my picture that says like junior two champion and if if this ever would happen get the max daddy helmet yeah man that's 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 cool that's, that's, that's awesome that's 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 when you know you want it. That's awesome to to have those goals. Uh, to to want to strive to do better. Definitely, that's well, that's awesome. If you keep your head down, it's not going to be a matter of if; it's when. You know what I mean? So, yeah. that's awesome. So, uh, like, but other than go karting, you know, you have any like, you have any thoughts of after go karting? Well, I was thinking like when we, when I get into adults and I get bigger and I kind of start getting out of go-karting, I've been either thinking about going to NASCAR or driving a legend. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I, I want to drive a dirt legend because I feel like I'd be better in that because I'm just familiar to the dirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I don't make it to NASCAR, I would like to either drive a 410 Sprint or a late model in World Outlaws. There you go. Straight to the big boys. Straight to the big Straight boys. So he's big he's got that dog in him because he's got that dog <laughs> in him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we ask everybody this. Uh, and as a junior, it'll be really cool to see the insight from your your point. But what is your favorite thing about our sport? Uh, competition, if I would have to say. If you go to the East Coast, like I said earlier, hundreds of seconds away like at max a million, we qualified fourth, and I think the top five were ten thousandths of a second away from each other. So we weren't all far, and it's just like it's just a matter of who you're qualifying with. It's just the competition is just amazing, and just the way you can drive and aggressiveness. Yeah, and it's crazy the the littlest amount of 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 a difference will make like a huge difference, you know. Because like you said, I mean, it's thousands, you know. I mean, first to thirtieth could be a tenth and a half, and and it it's it's absolutely crazy. Like sometimes you'll see at Paradise, maybe you'll see Shay Shavis and Austin Albro battling it out, and next thing you know, you just see Stephen Adams come out of nowhere, and they're going three wide going to the checker. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's some really cool stuff to see for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, coming from your perspective, because, you know, you are a junior driver, y'all are the future of this sport. And, you know, you, you guys are really the driving force. You know, we, we like to see y'all compete. We like to see y'all keep going and be persistent and never give up. Well, but what is something you like to change about the sport, if there is anything? Uh. The black flag usage. You don't want to say Like, at the beginning, like, when everybody would – they were real strict on the black flag. Like, now it's, like, three times you do something, you get black flag. And, like, if something happens and, like, you flip somebody off or, like, you grab somebody by the jacket or something, you should get black flag. But sometimes they'll just put you to the rear and let you race again. Like mm-hmm. – it's just the amount of respect that you get on the racetrack and off the racetrack. That's really interesting to hear coming from your perspective. Yeah, twelve years old. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like we uh, 
I feel like we're pretty similar on that. You know, you being 12 years old, me being, the, you know, us adult racers, I feel like we all feel pretty much the same way. I mean, you know, they used to give you, you know, your little three strikes, you're out. And, you know, now somebody can just door you and, you know, that's it. Or, you know, grab your go-kart and throw it across the track and let somebody else hit you. And they just yep. get put to the rear and keep on going. Yeah. Well, that tells you something right there. They'll probably just do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I think you see a little bit more. I mean, yeah, I know adults are pretty rough, but I think you see a little bit more rough driving in, in your classes because of everyone's still learning the race craft. And does that ever get frustrating for you because of how much exposure and experience you've had? Uh, some people don't get that. And you have your race craft, you know, pretty, pretty dialed in on, on, on what you know to do. Uh, does that ever get kind of frustrating for you? Well, yeah, it does. But like, I don't blame it on them because it's not their fault. It's not my fault. It's nobody's fault. It's just the amount of experience I have and the amount of experience they have. It's just they just don't get they just don't get what some people some people get, and it's just nerve wracking sometimes. You just gotta take it and move on to the next. Yeah, the the the, the exposure is probably the, the biggest thing. In my, I would probably say. Yeah. Definitely. So we kind of do this little rapid fire thing. Uh, it's uh, five questions, either or you pick uh, first thing that comes to your mind. But because uh, and over here, you know, like this weekend, you're in clone and predator. So we'll start it off with that. You like clone or you like predator? I like clone because of the speed. And yes. The <laughs> uh, you know, wintertime racing or summertime racing? I would say wintertime because summer you come off sweating and you're hot, stink, and wintertime you, you're not sweating, you don't stink, you just got to go in front of a heater and you're good. Put a hoodie on, you'll be all right. Put a hoodie on, you're good. <laughs> and then indoor or outdoor racing? Uh, it kind of depends on what kind of outdoor we're talking about, like big or little. Like big for sure, outdoor, but if we're talking about little, for sure, indoor. Yeah. Uh, NASCAR or dirt cars? I would have to say dirt because I just have more experience on it. All right. Well, we'll go, we'll, 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 we'll bounce off that for a second. You know, favorite NASCAR driver and favorite dirt car driver. Favorite NASCAR driver would probably be Al Larson and favorite dirt driver. No, I'll have to give a shout out to my boy Charging Charlie. There you go. All right. And then, uh, you know, bull rings or big tracks? Big tracks for sure. Big tracks. There you go. I, I definitely like yeah. a, I, I like a, I like a riding track. You know, driving tracks are fun, but a riding track. like the draft of a drawer. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of like plotting out and got five to go. You're riding in third. Y'all are in a train and trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, a little different yeah. strategy. Running fifth and two laps to go, you're thinking somebody gonna wreck. Am I gonna win? Or is like, am I gonna, like, what's fixing to happen? You yeah, just gotta it's the anticipation, trying to make a move, two laps ahead, trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what big races you got coming up? Uh, we have the summer done at TC, uh, Maxis Nationals. The Ike for the LEK series, uh, World 100, Batesfield, and Daytona. There you go. That's some pretty big races for the yeah, end of the year. Yeah, a good schedule. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's a pretty pretty yeah, solid was, way to wrap up the route. Yeah, that's why we're kind of starting trying to get in a seat now because I've been out for a month <laughs> and we got big races coming up. So we got to start getting in the rotation. Yeah, big time, big time races call for big time performances. Got to gotta be ready for them. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely man absolutely and like we we really appreciate you know just the time being able to talk with you and uh you making some time for us so we can get to know you a little bit more and you know everybody else kind of get it you know know what's in your head what's going through your mind and stuff like that and just you know who you are as a person as big six and you know hashtag hide your mamas we're gonna go ahead and have to throw that up in there but you know at this time man uh is there anyone you'd like to thank I'd like to thank my mom and dad for the support when I go off and, like, always supporting me when I'm down. Miss um, Liz, Mr. Chris, and Tyler Blazak for making sure I'm ready to race any weekend I want to race. Um, my grandparents for supporting me and, like, kind of basically sponsoring me to make it off to the East Coast races. 
Gil Boys Racing for helping me on and off the track, getting ready and getting on the track and like anywhere we go, if if we need them, they're there. Uh, the OG Frank Bondotti's tire, mm-hmm. uh, TJ Paulcheck for uh just helping me on and off and just to hang out with Tommy Price for whenever I need him, he's there. Uh, Lily and Naomi Ironman, or however you say the last name, not too sure, uh, for washing tires and getting me on and off the grid. Also, Thunderbolt Racing Engines by Randy Shots for making sure I'm fresh. He's been building my motor since, like, rookie red years. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Ronnie and Aunt Sabrina with equipment repairs. Ronnie's equipment repairs, uh, Ryan Corey with Corey Transports, Brenda Stevens with Camo Cuts, Extreme Speed and Extreme Speed Tire Solutions, Mark Mode with Trick Olympic Racing Chassis, Kenny with Maximilian for always putting on a good series, uh, Steve Stanley with Hitman Clutches in Pensacola, Florida, Mr. Dave Martin with Martin Built Clutches in Kentucky, uh, Scotland for making sure I'm fresh. And if I missed anybody, I apologize, but would like to thank you too. I like that. I like that. I like that. Didn't it? Did he? He went down the list. I, that's uh, that's awesome. And uh, if you would like to sponsor us, we're always looking. It will be well advertised and just PM Extreme Speed or Extreme Speed Tire Solutions. There you go, buddy. Y'all get on Tucker, man. He's a he's a he's a up and coming driver that definitely has uh, already made a name for himself. But he will definitely you, you will you know, he will be out there and he will be doing great things. But uh, Tuck, man, we we appreciate you coming, cut some time out and talking with us and uh, being our first junior, man. You're our first junior on the podcast, so uh, we really appreciate it and it was fun, man. You made it fun tonight. And before yeah. I go, uh, me and Dad Ward will be at the closest buffet. Handing out autographs, you can go check out Franklin Ash Design and get uh, get some shirts for Extreme Speed Tire Solutions or the Buffet Bandit. Yeah, you they bring the t shirts, y'all got the sharpies, huh? Yep, we and we also got the dogs. <laughs> oh man, that's dude, funny. this is the best. That's awesome, Tuck man. That's awesome. Man. Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see y'all at the track soon, man. Have a good night. <laughs> Man, that was really fun. (laughs) That was probably one of the funniest things I've sat through and listen to like i'm talking genuinely funny hilarious this kid is just something else man he, he's a he's a driver on the track comedian in the pits but still so focused and determined on his end goal about what he wants to do and has such a great mindset for a 12 year old you know a junior driver you know you don't really hear these mindsets too much and yeah. just to hear it from him man i i think it's great i think he's doing a great thing i think they got a great thing going on over there and you know, I, I think they're looking at something right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Really cultivating that uh, champion's mindset from a young age. And it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, you don't see that in every, in every kid, you know, he's, he's got that mentality of, you know, kind of like you talks about Colton. It's not if it's when, you know, um, to have that mentality at such a young age and have that instilled in him is, is, is really half the battle that, that kids don't learn until they get a lot older. Most definitely. And I think it's because a lot of people just don't understand that mindset and how critical your pattern of thinking is from, you know, if you can, if you can ingrain that in somebody from a young age, you're really setting them up to accomplish whatever they really desire to put their mind to. So it's, and it's, it's definitely one of the, the, you know, I think it has something to do with how this world is right now is, is everything so disposable and there's nothing not much that people will put their, it's not very common for people to put their head down and put their right. mind to it, you know, an instant gratification, but it gives an advantage to people who do have that mindset or are willing to put in that work and take care, like hold themselves to that discipline, you know, cause realistically your competition is thinning out when it comes to getting to that level. So 
Yeah. And, awesome. and usually when it thins out, you definitely have the people who are committed, dedicated, and ready to go, which is the people you want to be racing against. Exactly. So, but guys, we, uh, we really appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, sorry, we took the week off last week, but we are excited, uh, that we got back to it this week and we'll have another guest tuned in for you guys next week. And we are excited to get back in the swing of things. So, uh, y'all have a good week and we will catch y'all later. Later guys. Later guys. <laughs>